Today we have a, a special friend of ours who has been very, um, uh, very foundational in the birthing of Praxis and our, our movement of workers. I think it was about 12 years ago, maybe 11, 12 years ago, we went through the Book of Acts with Peter Rodenfeld. And Peter took us into the western suburbs of Melbourne and we sat in McDonald's and we sat in African restaurants and we ate all kinds of fun food and we went through the book of Acts, a a team of about six to eight guys and Peter as he led us through Acts to really give us a foundation of how to look at um, the movements and what the Spirit was doing. And... uh, it was just such a fabulous time. And so because of that, I'm just thrilled to have Peter Rohnfeldt with us. Peter uh, is a leader, he's a teacher, he's a practitioner, he's in the harvest, he's sharing Jesus, and my goodness, he's a prolific author. Uh, he has just been producing some fantastic material that we're going to allude to later in the program that you can access to. But um, Peter, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Dave. And it's just great to to share together with the Praxis family and uh, and just to engage with you. It's always so good to see you, my brother. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I recall that time we walked through the Book of Acts. I've literally gone through the Book of Acts um, hundreds of times with teams of people. And every time I set about to do that, I... I read from the beginning to the end of the book of Acts in one sitting in preparation for those times. Mm. Um, And I just recommended to a couple of teams this week, read through the book of Acts. That's our church planting manual. And uh, as you read, you're just inspired, fired up by the Holy Spirit. Wow. Great to be with you. It's really, really good. And I do want to thank you for your hard work to influence not just a a little ragtag group of guys in McDonald's, but I know you're broadly inputting in so many places in the body of Christ. So thank you for your hard work and your ministry, Peter. Thank you very much. We appreciate you very much. Peter, we're living in amazing times. We're in the middle of... um, I think day 30 of a seven-day lockdown in Victoria and we're staring yes. down weeks more. And and uh, this has been on top of, you know, uh, 18 months to two years of, of restrictions and difficulties. Um, how do you think COVID is affecting us as the church, specifically here in Melbourne and Australia, uh, and more specifically, uh, disciple-making? Uh, how do you, what's your your perspective on all this? Yeah, I think um, I think COVID has has impacted the church quite dramatically. Um, I don't think any of us could have foreseen, without going back in history, could have foreseen the the impact uh, of this pandemic mm. and how it's really shifted the church and confronted the church and given opportunities to the church. Um, I flew back and landed in Melbourne from Papua New Guinea uh, six hours before the first lockdown. 
that impacted Australia. And I came back on a flight with only about seven or eight people on board, a large jet flying back from Port Moresby into Brisbane and then on to Sydney, Melbourne. And it reminded me of the time I flew out of Belgrade, Serbia, um, just the day before the Kosovo War erupted. And uh, I was one of the few on the plane. Mm. And I had this ominous sense that uh, this pandemic, and it's not the worst pandemic this world has seen. Uh, I went back and looked at the story of plagues and pandemics uh, very quickly to look at the impact upon church and nations. It's not the worst that the world has ever seen. But there was this real sense that there was a big shift Mm. and we're not really ready for it. Mm. So some things the church has tried not to change. Mm. So um, many churches and denominations quickly rushed to get their congregations online so that instead of sitting in a building of four walls listening to a preacher and listening to some performance music, we'd be sitting in front of a computer in our own four walls listening to a preacher and and watching performance music. Mm. But here are some of the big things that I think um, have changed. Most believers have come to understand that um, church as we've done it and church as we have followed it over the last decades and even centuries uh, just does not really engage. Mm. Um, and, of course, many have gone back and thought more deeply about the New Testament church. And so the most common question that has been raised, and this was not being raised in church before, but the most common question being raised in more recent times is what is church? Mm-hmm. Um, so these were big shifts that all of a sudden we realised what we've been doing was not engaging uh, either with believers or with our neighbours. Um, that um, that we had to rethink what is church, and of course, as some have said in conferences where I've been talking to pastors of various denominations and leaders. Um, many people have come up with all kinds of definitions of church that don't, don't have any foundation in the story of Jesus or the early church. Um, so uh, we were confronted with the fact that we were not thinking theologically and we have not taught new believers to think theologically. By that I mean think through the story of Calvary and Jesus. Mm. And think through the story of Pentecost. These are the two great, other two great historic realities of our faith. So we've been forced to go back and ask, what difference um, does the life story of Jesus, God becoming flesh in Jesus and dying for us on Calvary and rising out of the grave? He's alive. Mm. What difference does that reality make to me today? Mm. And what difference does it make that, Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, but he promised, I won't leave you as orphans, and he came by the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Day and he's present with us now. These realities, what difference does that make? And we've been compelled by COVID to go back and ask those questions, those basic questions, I think. Um, 
And then, of course, many are still struggling with what is church and how do we do church now? Mm. Because um, we know from research at this stage, Dave, that less than 50% of those who are attending church before the first lockdowns have gone online to a Zoom or uh, um, YouTube or online church. And uh, there's a whole variety of what is church now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first part. What what was the other question that you're wanting to dig out of that? Um, well, maybe we the the second part of the question was how does that affect us as disciple makers? But let's just stay in this first section for a while. You know, you're talking about real reflection on the question of what is church, and um, we do see the the incredible drive after COVID hit and churches. Um, had to close their doors basically to just try and replicate what they were doing online um, from the the singings uh, the the sermon uh, even the stage just mimicking yes. and um, uh, what what they experienced on Sundays but as you say engagement has been uh, very minimal or minimized and um uh, you even said millennials have really failed to engage in that space. Um, That's right. Yeah. Yes. Um, even though they're the most socially social media aware, uh, and they've helped many uh, churches set up their um, technology, mm. but they haven't actually gone on and engaged with it themselves. Mm. So this this provides a huge pastoral question challenge for us as uh, if your church is closed what are we to do and you've written something really great there on your website is if your church is closed be the church and and you wrote a pastor's guide to growing churches at home Um, you you bring out some great quotes in that in that document which is available uh, on your website followingjesus.com um Talk us through a little bit of that and and how you how you wrote that. Yeah, I, um, we were talking about the Book of Acts a few moments ago, and the Book of Acts mm. is our um, our church planters manual. Mm. That's how I've always looked at it. But to to get the frames of church and to ask what is church, and to uh, discuss this question, this idea of if your church is closed, be the church. We, we need to go back to Jesus. Mm. We, we need to go back to Jesus' discussions. And, of course, the apostles and the New Testament writers only record Jesus referring to church on two occasions. Um, so we could say Jesus was about making and multiplying disciples for the kingdom of God. He said very little about church. Mm-hmm. It was not until the last six months of his life that he took his 12 um, north of Galilee to a pagan place, the pagan territory of Gilantus, and to Caesarea Philippi, Matthew chapter 16. And he asked, uh, what are people saying about me? Mm. Then he asked, who do, who do you think I am? And Peter responded, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Mm. And Jesus said, bless to you, Peter, but you didn't dream this up yourself. Uh, The Father has revealed this to you. And I tell you, uh, Peter, your name is Petros, and upon this Petra, one is a 
little shifting movable stone, a pebble, but upon this mountain of rock that is standing at the base of Mount Hermon. Mm. And it's an illustration, it's like a parable, on this this great solid Petra, this truth that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church. Mm. And Jesus used this word that Matthew translated with the word ecclesia. Jesus, of course, was speaking Aramaic. So Matthew translates it with the word ecclesia, which was a word totally out of left field Mm. because uh, this word had no religious connotations, no institutional references, no architectural um, uh, definition. Uh, He could have used the word synagogue, synagogue, because it meant a gathering of people. But by his time, the synagogue had become institutionalised, it had become a building, it became part of the political framework of Judaism. Mm. So Jesus takes a, to- a word totally out of left field. Um, Matthew, translating that, used this concept of ecclesia, gathered ones, my church, based upon uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, um, and I give to you the keys of the kingdom. Mm. Now, as he continued to talk, Matthew 16, verse 21 he, he explained the keys. He said, I will go to Jerusalem, I'll be crucified, and on the third day I'll be raised to life. There we have the gospel. That's called the eternal good news in the New Testament. So that's the keys. And he says, the gates of Hades, and there was this cave there called the gates of Hades out of which the Jordan River flowed, the gates of Hades, and here were all these pagan temples in sight around the gates of Hades. Gates of Hades will not prevail against my church my gathering of disciples, right, um, with the keys to the kingdom. So there's a really important insight for us today. Um, Believers gathered in the name of Jesus, that's church, Mm. we're given the keys, Mm. and the gates of Hades cannot prevail against God's people, the believers, the gathered disciples, um, unless we start institutionalising. And then when we institutionalise and we build buildings like in the 4th century, then all of a sudden there's something for the gates of Hades to attack. Mm. But the gates, the, the, the church is people. So three times before Jesus used the word church, the next time in Matthew 18, he speaks of his death, his burial, his resurrection. And then in Matthew 18, he's talking about resolving conflicts because when you've got believers together, there's always, always going to be some conflicts. That's mm. church. It's mm. not something to become distressed about. And Jesus gave very clear process to address differences. And he made this statement where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I. That's mm. the basic unit of church. Mm. So I think in one of my books I speak, speak of this as a little ecclesiology. Yes. Uh, the two or three gathered in the name of Jesus. So so. When we faced COVID and we were scattered back to our homes, and what an interesting concept. In the Old Testament, God's people were scattered in judgment. In the New Testament, God's people were scattered for mission. Mm-hmm. And when we were scattered, uppermost in our minds should have been, this is an opportunity for mission because we're being sent to our homes, we've been sent to our neighbourhoods, we've been sent to where people are in community and we can show the purposes of church in that environment of love for God, love for our neighbour, fellowship, disciple-making and um, obedient disciple discipleship. Mm. 
Um, so I, I think we're, we are being thrust back to relook at what Jesus said about church. And then the book of Acts, of course, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, builds on those principles that Jesus had laid down. And then we see all of those principles coming out in the early church. Mm. Yeah. So we, 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 hearing, we heard a lot about the, the, the trendy word was to pivot. And yeah. to pivot basically meant adopt Zoom, YouTube, uh, technology to keep doing what we're doing. But what you're saying, which is is the, the pivot, the work of God, is to push us back into Jesus, to yes. push us back into uh, a real reflection on the question of what is church, and, and to be able to then see um, something entirely new, but it's not new, it's actually entirely foundational and old <laughs> yes yeah. uh, which is the two or three the little ecclesiology uh, meeting together but it's church which is based around being disciples of Jesus and dis- being disciples means that you are on mission yes so yes if you could sum this up um uh, this is me this is not we haven't pr- uh, talked about this before the uh the, the podcast but if we could sum up you know church is what is when disciples who are following Jesus gather together and they're on mission together. Yes. Um, would yeah. you agree with that kind of definition yeah, of church? I, I would say in the, um, in the great commandments, which Jesus gave to his gathered disciples, and in the great commission, we have the very distinct purposes of his church. Mm. Um, love God, worship, honour, glorify God. Mm. Uh, please him. Let's put it in everyday terms. Uh, exalt him and please him. Right. Um, love your neighbour. Uh, that is sacrificial service. Being prepared to give everything for uh, for the neighbour, for the other person. Mm. Service. Mm. And then the Great Commission: um, make disciples. So disciples make disciples. A, a simple definition of a disciple is one who makes disciples. Yes. A slightly longer definition of a disciple is one who is growing more and more like Jesus every day in every way, including making disciples. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, then, and then you have, and teach the new disciple all that I've commanded. Now, yeah. Jesus lived and commanded the making of disciples. So that is, that is obedient discipleship. So there we have a frame for church. And so, yes, I would agree with the short definition that you've given. Mm. Um, and then we expand it by looking at, at those frames. But it seems to me that when we ask the question, what is church, it's not a matter of pivoting on what we've done over the decades or the centuries before and simply finding uh, a new frame that works for the 21st century and during our COVID lockdown. It's a matter of pivoting back into what Jesus meant mm. and what Jesus lived. Mm. And I'm also simple enough to believe that Jesus knew what every culture is like. And so he gave frames that are reproducible in every single culture 
and he gave a frame of church that works in every single culture. Yeah. Because church is based on relationships and Jesus did his ministry out of households. Mm. Um, And you see Paul who um, modelled his life on Jesus. It's really interesting to go through the book of Acts and you see, um, and I think Paul has been denigrated in many ways. You see Paul really sacrificing you, almost especially from the third missionary journey on, you, you see almost parallel between Paul, the Apostle Paul, and what Jesus did and what he was, what Paul was doing for people. But Paul took the concept of Jesus in the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all ethne, pantatar ethne mm. was Donald McGavran's terms, um, and he was quoting the, the Great Commission. That was his big discovery. Making disciples in every relational group, mm-hmm. every relational stream. And Paul took that and he saw the relational stream in the oikos or the households. Yes. And relationships is so important in our postmodern environment and also our, um, our cosmopolitan and multicultural environment relationships, families are so important to mm. to every structure of our society. Postmoderns, it's all about relationships. Mm. Our migrant people, the diaspora amongst us, it's all about extended family and relationships. That, mm. So the idea that Jesus had and that the apostles saw in Jesus' life and teaching works uh, in our context. Yes. Yeah. And so that, that real pivot is really not pivoting into some something new, but it's pivoting back into something that's already been shown to us. Yeah, and by Jesus. By Jesus. It's the yeah. very DNA of the kingdom of God being yes. expressed yeah. in, in, yeah. in ways. And I, think, I think the an opportunity that COVID has given to us is this opportunity of, of just going back and saying, what was Jesus on about? Mm. That has to be what we're on about. Mm. Pushes us back to Jesus. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, wrapped up in that is is the uh, how is COVID affecting us as the church, and more specifically as disciple makers. Um, we we see, you know, as we read back and the works of people like Rodney Stark, especially, but um, you know, during past pandemics which was very evident in the in the life of the early church in those crowded roman cities and uh where where uh, plagues would break out i don't think we're experiencing anywhere near as much suffering and difficulty as they did but the church church's response was often so counterintuitive was rather than fleeing they ran into pain and sickness rather than um uh, uh, yeah, being uh, defensive, they they even had a developed a term for martyrdom by sickness by the by yes. the plagues that came, and yeah, quite fascinating. I'm I'm often wondering as I sit here as a disciple maker, um, obeying the laws of lockdown, and and um, uh, quite aware that we need to do our social good by by just honouring the government and doing everything we can possibly do to stop the spread of COVID, how do we respond as disciple-makers? With yeah, the I, think that's, I, think, I think that is such an important 
question that that all of us have wrestled with. Unfortunately, I think that generally speaking, the church has acted as if mission has to be put on hold until we get past COVID. Right. And, and I've even seen communication by some denominational leaders to uh, churches saying, look, we, we really just have to put these things on hold. We can't do the Lord's Supper by FaceTime. Uh, we can't do baptisms during this time, etc. And people have really struggled to know how to keep the institutionalised church functioning. But let's be really practical um, uh, uh, at the level where we live and and where we witness because we can't wait until COVID ends to fulfil the mission that God has given to us. Mm. Um, that is That is our calling and that's what the Holy Spirit will lead us into. Uh, you've referred to Rodney Stark. Rodney Stark highlights that uh, one of the areas of great growth in the early Christian church was the witness of the Christian mother, the wife and mother who became a believer, mm. uh, to her family, or the child who became a believer, or the husband who became a believer, or the slave or the servant within the Oikos household framework. Um, and that's where we should think of starting. Uh, we need to ask, who is in our home? Mm. Now, I asked that question of a group of some 40-something pastors recently, and they all went silent. And I asked the question, let's be open with each other on Zoom and share just by raising a hand or a finger how many people in our homes are not believers now, in pretty well every home of those 40 or so screens of pastors, ministers, there were one or two people in each home who were not believers. And, and one very successful and busy pastor, he actually voiced it. He said, I've never thought about that. I've got three unbelievers in my household. Mm. Right? About four weeks later, I got an email from him. He said, Peter... You'll be pleased to know that uh, one of my sons, my oldest son, has been reading the Gospel of Mark with me. We're doing Discovery Bible reading. And a few weeks later he wrote and said, Peter, we're having a baptism. <laughs> right? So the the starting point is right where we are. Mm-hmm. And and that's one thing that COVID has done. It's it's forced us to to think about whether we're following the training that Jesus gave in equipping the disciple makers in Luke chapter 10, which is kind of the frame of my little book, If You Can Eat, You Can Make Disciples, Jesus yeah. said, eat, heal, and then tell. Yeah. So are we eating and listening uh, in our own homes, listening to the stories of, and then bringing healing in our own families? Mm. Um, eat. Heal, eat. To heal, we've got to listen. And are we healing and sharing our story of the Lord and our love for Jesus and telling the kingdom of God is near, God cares about you. So it starts right there. Then there's the opportunity right with our immediate neighbours. What opportunities we've had to reach out. You can ask anybody, um, how are you? How are you surviving at the moment? That's a question that... You, it was kind of invasive to ask that question um, a year and a half ago. Yeah. 
But it's not invasive to ask that question now and to show genuine concern for people and their mental health and their spiritual welfare. Um, that's part of the story of bringing healing where we can then introduce God's story. Mm. So mm. we've had opportunity to actually do that with folk across the laneway where we were in a, a unit as we came into COVID and reaching out to people. And then still with neighbours and friends that we built relationships with, late the other evening I had a phone call from uh, former neighbours who I keep in contact with almost daily and they said, we've been missing your prayers. These are Buddhist people. They said, we've been missing your prayers. I said, we can pray together right now. So FaceTime, phone, uh, let's use the the uh, technologies that we've got. Um, what, what I have learned from a wide circle of folk is that Bible studies where you're jumping from verse to verse to prove a point have not worked during lockdown. Mm. But Bible reading with people has been very effective. Mm. So we could increase that measure. And then I think this is one recent, one area where many churches have been so busy getting online and in, onto YouTube that they, they haven't made the phone calls that they could make. So four or five phone calls a day. What if everybody did that? Four or five phone calls a day just to say, how are you just calling to touch base and tell you that God cares about you and we do? Yeah. So I think it's forced us to come down to the one-on-one and the the witness of um, in the immediate community. Mm. Then, of course, we, we also have opportunities to engage with people of in the diaspora of different nationalities and ethnicities who can then share that story with others. So there's some practical ideas that that I've been working through, Dave, and one of the really important things I think about this is it's a time when we need to be tangible, mm. practical and tangible. Mm. And, um, and this can be in prayer, but what about the beautiful um, opportunity of the Lord's Supper? Mm. Uh, share with friends and say, you get, you get some grape juice, some wine, some bread, and we'll be on FaceTime and we'll have a meal together. You can have a coffee, we'll have a coffee, and, and you can have a little piece of bread. And What do you want the bread for? We'll tell you about it at the time. And then you can talk about that and, and uh, illustrate the gospel with that. It's a time of tangibles. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's so good, Peter. And I'm just just hearing the, the shift to you really just start where you are, and 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 look at your own family, but also yes. around yeah. you, and and be spiritual. Pray, yes. um, and uh, just uh, then allow allow God to be just um, shifting you into. Connecting meaningfully, you, know, you use the word tangibly, just just in yeah. a way that both expresses love, but also um, with ways that people can almost touch and feel and yes. see yeah. Jesus, and, yeah. and letting Scripture do its work. So that's yeah. that's just wonderful, Peter. Um, what's taking you by surprise? Is it? I mean, um, is there anything new that's come up? Um, is there anything that you're learning in this time that's um, 
that's uh, there? Um, I think a number of things that uh, have proven to be somewhat negative have taken me by surprise, but they probably shouldn't have. Um, one is the level of nationalism um, mm. that we have seen generated uh, in pretty well every country around the world. Uh, so we've bunkered down to ourselves. Uh, the other is the nastiness of the social media mm. um, and the extremes to which conspiracy theories have gone mm. um, during, during this time. Those are negatives that have surprised me. Um, I think that one of the surprises has been um, the openness uh, to spiritual things, mm-hmm. the openness to God. Mm-hmm. Um, we've even seen um, in mainline printed media and we've seen and we've heard on mainline um, news media references to finding peace by um, reading the Psalms or reading scripture. Mm. And there's been, I mean, these are not plaguing the the news media at any particular time, but there have been references to these. Mm. And these should generate hope and and, um, and inspire confidence in what the Holy Spirit is doing and can do. So those have been some of the, negative but also positive surprises. Uh, I think a surprise, and this has generated a new book that I'm writing, one of the surprises has been the level of interest in um, church at home. Mm. I call them households of faith, which come out of the New Testament models of Paul's second missionary journey in particular. Um, But... um, you know, a few weeks ago there was a Q&A um, arranged by some a network of house churches in Melbourne um, with Francis Chan. Mm. And it wasn't so much what Chan said because I've heard him say most of what he said uh, before, but what was of interest to me were the number of participants that came online to listen to this discussion. Mm. Um 497, 500 screens. And because I wasn't presenting, I flicked across the screens to see how many had turned their videos off. Not one video was turned off. Wow. Everybody was participating. Mm. And on most screens, two or three people. Mm. Now, if you went back just two years in Australia, I doubt whether you would have had that interest in the concept of house church because there have been many negative perceptions of of house church and this smaller, this little ecclesiology, as mm. we've spoken of. Um, but in a sense, I've been surprised by that interest, but um, and encouraged by it. But I also find that many are saying, "Well, how do we do it? What do we do?" Uh, and so I decided it was time to write something really practical in that regard as well. Those are some of the surprises and some of the disappointments as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we live in a world where vitriol is poured out in so many, so oh. many ways, and um, yes. Yes. Um, it's very, um, very wearing on the soul. That's wrong. <laughs> um, That's but uh, yeah, okay. Um, what about uh, scriptures that you would point to that would encourage us in this season and? Anything yes, that, yes that's I, there. Um, I've been reading um, 
early each morning I've been reading through the little Johns, first, second, mm. third John and and first and second Peter. And what a rich what a rich story. Um, but uh, just as I go there, uh, let me just share something with um, with your network, Dave. Um, over the last weeks, we have produced um, a, a series of talks, training videos, um, following through the concept of multiplying disciples. Mm. Uh, so our training over many years has been Let's look at the story of Jesus multiplying disciples, and I produced a conversation guide in that regard. And then looks, let's look at the early church, the book of Acts, planting churches, and from that we produced a conversation guide. And then the epistles, um, cultivating movements, um, the vision of no place left, Romans chapter 15, and we produced a conversation guide. And then um, probably a couple of months ago, I was asked, would you put the training that you do with these conversation guides into a series of snippet videos that actually lead through the conversation guide? And the conversation guide and these videos for multiplying disciples are now all available on the website following-jesus.com. You go there, click on Equipping, uh, multiplying disciples, conversation guide, and videos download free. Yes. Um, and uh, I think that that, were, that that resource will be of enormous value to mm. your network, Dave. Mm. And um, so, just delighted to share, and, and that's totally free, right? And um, for those for those listening, I'll be putting the links to this in the yeah. in the description of this podcast, so you can just jump in there and. Um, if you're listening and you don't know where to find that, go to the go to the podcast um, description and you'll find the links to these websites. Yes, yeah, yeah. Mm. and and then out of these scriptures, um, out of the scriptures, you know, First and Second Peter and and First John, Second John, Third John. Um, this is a scripture that I'd like to share with with all of you. You have received the Holy Spirit. And he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. Now, of course, he's talking about the truth and knowing the truth that Jesus is indeed God who became flesh, uh, lived for us and died for us. And then the truth that he rose out of the grave. This is, this is what he's talking about when he says, you know that this is true, mm. right? And he says, but you have received the Holy Spirit because everybody, every one of you who is listening, you, you have been baptized by the Holy Spirit in bringing you to Jesus. You, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know and what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he has taught you to remain in fellowship, so so just as he has taught you to remain in fellowship with Christ. Mm. So I, I want to urge uh, all all of you, and also Dave and myself, I want to mm-hmm. um, just kind of appeal to us again. Um, we must remain in Jesus. What what a wonderful New Testament uh, teaching! This concept that. Uh, God became flesh, he died for us, he rose, he has ascended, 
and through the presence of the Holy Spirit, Jesus comes to live in us and we remain in him and he remains in us and he who is the truth, the light and the truth, uh, he, he, he enables us, he empowers us in our living and our witness every day. So I want to say to every person in your Praxis Network, you are not alone. Um, you you um, share with family, uh, with community, with neighbours, with friends, as the representative of Jesus. Uh, he is in you. Remain in him. Remain faithful and courageous in Jesus. What a privilege to to participate in the greatest work that could be possibly done, making disciples for the kingdom of God. Just great to share with you guys. Thank you so much, Peter. As we finish, um, that is just such a fantastic reflection. Thank you once again, Peter. Uh, your your contribution is is valuable. It's such a broad way. I know um, many many will be blessed. But we we were we were going to be um, having gatherings and trainings and. Those things haven't happened, so now we have conversations and podcasts. But uh, really, really good to have you there, and um, we'd love to we'd love to get together in a room again one day and open the Word and pray and be challenged again by Jesus' mission uh, uh, through you. So thanks, Peter. God bless. God bless you all.